Too many of us wallow in that victim state. At some point, we've got to take responsibility for ourselves and we've got to pick ourselves up, wipe the dust down and go, right, fuck it. It's not gone the way I want it to go. However, this is how it's going to be. I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today, my guest is James Boardman, former Royal Marines commando turned author and man coach. If we don't put ourselves first in that line so that we become the leader of our own lives to become the leader of our family's career and health, that's where we snowball. And that's where the confliction comes with men in today's message. It's like, how do I put myself first? Thank you so much for being a guest on the Sonia Morton Firth Show. It's lovely to have you here today. I wish you were here in person but we couldn't make it happen in person. So we're going for Zoom. How are you doing, Jay? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for asking me to come on your show. I'm very excited to be here. I have, well, ever since um, I saw a couple of people that follow me had been reading your book and they were like, oh my gosh, you've got to get James on your show. He knows everything there is to know about coaching men. I thought, okay, okay, I need to get this guy on my show. That's a big tagline. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that is, that is. But not only that, you're also a veteran. So I don't want to give too much away. Um, okay. So before we get into your journey, can yep. you tell my audience, just in a very quick line, um, yep. who you are today? Today, um, I run the Man Coach brand, and that helps men build purposeful direction by building an elite operator mentality. So, in short, we help blokes sort their shit out. I love <laughs> and it. Stop I, I, themselves. I love it, and I want to get into that elite operant, operant, operating mentality as well. But before yep. we do, James, where did it all begin? T take me through a bit of a journey of your life and, yeah. um, and your military career as well. Okay, yep. So I joined the military um, in 2003. Um, so I actually watched a film called Black Hawk Down. And I was, go I was quite in my early 20s then. So I used to be a store manager for McDonald's, which um, was like insane. We used to, I used to put me in charge of this six million pound store, but I hated it and I hated my life and I was so unfulfilled and I just kind of felt like there was something more to my life. And like, I didn't know what it was until I watched that film. And that film gave me um, a real perspective of direction which i didn't have in my early 20s like what man does in his early 20s right he's just chasing girls and going out at the weekend and i watched this and i was like i wonder what our equivalent forces are i wonder i wonder what it is and i researched elite forces and obviously you see special forces or just the paratroopers as the royal marines and i was just instantly drawn to the royal marine message and Fast forward 16 months and I was standing at the train station ready for day one basic training. And, um, uh, and I loved it. You know, I had a, re I had a really great experience um, through training. It is like, it's like fucking hard. But when I look back, I think it's one of the most influential um, 32 weeks of my life because it kind of created the man I am today. Um, it, it's very much the roots of uh, in what I teach. Uh, family-wise, professionally-wise, you know, and I think it sticks with you always in here, no matter what. I, whenever I find myself in a tough situation, I always come back to those values and principles of the first 32 weeks about everything I learned in there. So 
character building went through the roof. Um, I then left. I then joined 4-2 Commando, um, did a, a stint in there, um, applied to do a sniper aptitude, which I, I did well at, joined the course, passed the course, um, went to Afghan as a part of a six-man sniper team uh, around 2006, um, come back, worked on the sniper training team, got my grades to then become a physical training instructor, um, took all the recruits through, which was brilliant, really enjoyed that, uh, then become a, an adventure training instructor, which is kind of like a sub-branch, um, and then taught people how to climb, canoe, kayak, and was living the dream, and, and then decided that I need to be at home for my kids. I mean, that all sounds amazing. And <laughs> we've managed to squeeze that into I like- Rattled, two. I was just kind of rattling rattled. through, I didn't know. <laughs> and I guess there's, there's so many questions in there. One of them being, um, what was so special about, about the Royal Marines? Um, yeah, um, I, it's the blokes in there. Like, you know, it's the blokes in there um, for sure. Uh, the, I think when you, the closest that you naturally feel. So I could, I could, I remember this one particular time I was on a course in Portsmouth and um, I met a Royal Marine and we bumped into to each other in the sergeant's mess and he was going, oh, how's it going? I was like, yeah, good. So like, um, I'm just going out to get some food, some scran. I was like, me too. I literally never met this guy before and we're out to two in the morning. Like just literally went from having a meal to getting to know each other to acting like we're best mates, to never see him again. And it's just like that same mentality of the man and left and right of you, where you could just meet somebody and you just instantly know them. And I, and I get that feeling now. It's like when people watch me or listen, they go, how's it going, Royal? Great stuff, Royal. You instantly are brothers, like from another mother, if you like. But we instantly would have each other's back. You'd instantly have good mates that would do anything for you. And it was, it, and it was something that was within the military. It's very, very special. Like, and I'm sure that each regiment has that feeling, you know. And they're very proud about their own cap badge and what they did. And for me, you know, if you wore the Royal Marine flashes and you got that green beret, like there's five thousand mates around you, and uh, it really created um, an awesome experience over the years that I served, for sure. So, I mean, that, that sounds really special. And I haven't spoken to a few Royal Marines. Um, I think that sentiment goes throughout and people describe it like being part of a family. Yeah. Um, that must have been pretty hard then for you to give up. Yeah. How, how did that transition go? Um, awful. I <laughs> just, yeah, awful is the probably best. So I always think, I always explain to guys, if you imagine that person that you fall in love with the most, absolutely, you become besotted with that, with that woman. And no matter what you, you just, there's just that, it's that one woman that really grips you and has, has got you. It's like leaving her um and going it's not you it's me <laughs> but the pull of my kids was more it was stronger do you know what I mean but when I pulled myself away from something that I loved so much like so deeply rooted um it kind of tore me apart for three years um and I didn't really know how to adapt or adjust in civilian world now I think it's naivety. I came out and I was like, I'm going to be absolutely fine. Like, absolutely were you given, fine. Were you given any help? 
So, no. And, and I, I think the reason there was no help is because there was, I don't think the awareness was very high in 2011, you know. Maybe it was, or it, it wasn't aware to me. You know, yeah. I wasn't aware of what PTSD was fully. I wasn't aware of all of that. Um, so I left the military on the Friday and started teaching college on the Monday. And the, what I carried with me, and, and how can you not, when I, when I reflect on it now, but at the time you don't realize, right? So I started the job on Monday and I was teaching these kids who were 16 to 19 year old kids, like shitheads, <laughs> to put it as a point. These kids who just like didn't want to be there, didn't, did have no respect for who I was or what I'd done. But yet on Friday, I saw off a course who had full respect and understanding what I did. And trying to get your head in a place where you're trying to adjust to that. And I'm Sergeant James Boardman, and I am for the next three years, but it's Sergeant James Boardman in the wrong environment. So it's not in that right environment. I'm, I'm, I'm completely not there. So in here, it's like confusion. I'm trying to train like I was in the Royal Marines. I'm trying to teach. I'm still trying to imagine that I am in the Royal Marines in a college. And obviously that didn't go well. And, um, you know, mentally I broke down. Um, I ended up um, getting divorced. <laughs> the whole point of coming home was to be with family. So I ended up getting divorced. I ended up drinking large amounts of alcohol. Um, I, I spent one night where I came very close to, to like ending everything um, on, a, on a really cold November evening and managed to pull myself away from that situation and go for like what um, it was a three mile, not a three mile, a three hour run. And I was just designed to get out of the house. And um, I remember just getting out and, the, you know, you just, the fog was huge. And I just went off and I cried and I laughed and I just reflected on the last three years, where I was in my life, what was I doing with myself? Where was that direction? Where was that identity? Where was, where, where was everything that I embraced as a Royal Marine to get me out of this? And, um, Three hours, just walked, run. You know, I was unconditioned at this point. You know, I was, I was like a, a, a shadow of my former self. And I come back and I felt so much better. Like, you know, naturally the brain rebalancing the chemicals, had a good cry, looked at all the pills and whiskey that I had like laid out in front of me and just threw it all away, poured the booze down the drain. And that become day one of the resurrection, um, if you like, of, of going, right, let, this can't happen anymore let's let's move forwards let's go what what do you think that real sort of turning point was because let's face it could have been ended up in a very different situation we, we might not yeah. be walking here today had yeah, yeah, yeah. you not decided to maybe go for that run what what yeah. was that that thing in you that said no i don't want to die today um I wish I had it here. So there was a picture of my kids. I was looking for the picture to see if it was here. So there was a picture of my kids on my wall. Um, and I just looked up at them and I went, my dad died when I was six. So I didn't have, um, I didn't have a, grow, a dad growing up. And uh, I was like, I've sacrificed like my time in the court. I was always going to be a 22 man, 22 year man, right? That was, I was going to go the whole way through. I loved the life. Um, but I just didn't love being away from my kids. When I joined, I didn't have kids, you know, um, and the pool and, and, and trying to say goodbye to those kids were, was really hard on a Sunday night. And um, there was this picture, this just one picture of me and the two kids. And I was looking at them, I was going, God, I've really let them down. But imagine if I 
take all of this and do all of this. They're going to grow up like I did without a dad. Like, do you think your the death of your dad had a massive Was that the big influence? Yeah, uh, yeah, I imagine so. Uh, but I think any anyone with any type of rationale, which I did, uh, you know, I, I was kind of looking at it and it was, I was like, this is why I've come home. Like, I've given up my career. I've given up everything to be here. Don't do that. Like, you know, this is not, this isn't the way. This isn't the way. What do you want to do? What, do you want to grow up in 10 years time and go, yeah, my dad committed suicide? Or do you want to grow up in 10 years and go, my dad was a major influence in my life. So I chose second. And we, and you know, I got myself out of the house, got my wife away from that situation, you know, rebuilt my life. And um, yeah, always use that as my alternative to showing up. What, I mean, you've talked about your children. Was there anything else there that you can really pinpoint that helped you change the course of your life? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this. I mean, I, I speak to a lot of veterans and they... Yeah a lot of them do reach that turning point of um, whether they've suffered from trauma, PTSD, what they've seen on the battlefield, what what they experienced as children has led them to a point of, um, in some cases, do I continue, don't I? And obviously the ones I've spoken to have continued. Um, What was, what, I mean, you you mentioned your children, was there anything else there that you- (coughs) Honestly, no. Like, no, um, because there was nothing else in my life that had any emotional connection. So whenever I try and look at a guy and I'm trying to say, why are you in this state? I always look about an emotional connection to being here, right? It's like, it's like the uh, connecting the dots. It's like, how, like what can keep, there is now, if you ask me that question now, there's loads to live for, right? There's like, but when you're in that state and when you put yourself in that black hole and you're in the trenches, that was the only shining light that I could walk towards. I call that these days my North Star. So that was my North Star to follow and reach, right? Um, and it was just, to start with, it was purely just about being the best father I could be. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I had a lot of, I had a lot of work to do, right? Um, but they were the only shining star. Um, and without those two... I think more, most probably more than likely, I, I definitely wouldn't have continued a hundred percent. Like, I think I just would have, I think I got myself into such an impulsive state that I wasn't thinking right, that I wasn't thinking myself. And um, I think suicide can be quite sometimes impulsive. Like sometimes we're just like, I've made that decision. I'm just going to make that decision, you know, and I've read many stories about people have tried to do it and it's failed. And the minute that they've, done whatever they're going to do without going into graphics they've instantly gone no oh my god like do you know and, and i've like it's so interesting about it about the mindset and the impulsiveness of it um and i had built myself i've worked myself up into a frenzy that night that day and wasn't thinking clear but getting out coming back it really opened up my eyes to i need to do this more like this is what i used to do all the time i need to do this more and that, and that was my thing, was just I run every day. Instead of drinking, I'd run 5K and I'd used to call it my detox route. So every time I wanted a drink, I'd go and do 5K. I shit you not, I ended up doing 10 5Ks in one day once just because I was <laughs> like in those, I was like, oh my God. Um, but it gave me purpose and a sense of direction in those early days. Okay, just, just going back there because there's so much, so many things. You now help men. Um, 
and I know I'm fast forwarding a little bit. That's all right. Yeah. I think it's relevant. Um, uh, I love the way you put it. You, you found your North Star. Um, and and I, I know you've, you help men find their purpose. How, yep. how do you do that? I mean, if, if there was a man, man out there that is, is struggling, maybe yeah. then they're on the verge of suicide or maybe, maybe they're not. I mean, that's quite an extreme case. Yes. But yeah, they're yeah. struggling. How do you help them find their North Star? I think if we look at the, so the, I think there's a level of where I can help before I think it probably needs to go to another another step. So I think when I look at a guy in general, um, what I'm trying to do is reestablish some form of perspective about what's going on in their life right now. Um, so for me, um, it's a case of, great, you're breathing. That's a good start. You've got two arms, two legs, hopefully. But even if you haven't, I'm sure you can get around. Um, you know, it's about going, you got a roof over your head. Good. If you don't, okay. What do you have? That's positive. And it's kind of looking at the very base level about what you have in your life. Like for me, when I look back at those years, I had a roof over my head I had a mortgage, um, even though I was struggling to pay with it, like leaving the military at the time, I had two amazing children. I had my, had time, I had time ahead of me. Um, I had friends that I didn't even realize that I could have reached out to. So I had all of these things. And I think that when a, when a bloke is struck, all blokes struggle, like uh, anyone that says that they don't, anyone that says that they become unscathed, I, I just don't believe that's true. I believe that's ego and pride and stubbornness getting in the way. Like every single, and I still do to that. Like I can't ever stop feeling sorry for myself or I can't stop feeling sad or I can't stop feeling insecure. But what I can do is build up a particular mindset or coping mechanism to be able to flip that quicker. So if something happens, man, I can handle that a lot better than I can 10 years ago. In today's life, when I look at the cycle of chaos and shit going on around the world, look at everything that's been happening, look at the last two years, it would have majorly changed men's perspective and character. And now many of them were coming out post-COVID going, now fucking what? Like, where am I going from here? Who who the fuck am I? Like, what do I stand for? What are my principles? Like, what are my values? How do I live? Like, how is it, you know, and, and... most veterans will also, you know, every single day, I look at the war with Ukraine and Russia. I'm like, why the fuck am I not there? Like, why am I not get like every single day? But then perspective goes, well, I've got a family here. This is why I have to leave my family here. Right. And, but perspective is so key. It's about realizing what you have and your potential ahead of you. Like, and it's about, and I, I'm quite ruthless with this because I was, uh, because I wallowed in it and that's a victim mentality mm-hmm. and too many of us wallow in that victim state we, we oh it's everyone else at some point we've got to take responsibility for ourselves and we've got to pick ourselves up wipe the dust down and go right fuck it it's not gone the way I want it to go however this is how it's going to be is there a fine line there between that victim mentality, which, you know, I totally agree with you. I can't, I, yep. it's one of those things that I just, I just can't stand. We're all, we're all, we, we are all, do it. all guilty of being yeah, yeah, yeah. at some point in life, but, yeah. but it doesn't solve anything and it, and it doesn't lead to, uh, to the greatest life. Um, 
so you've got men and we're, we're talking about men here um we've got men with this sort of okay they're going down this maybe victim mentality yeah and the same like we've got the other side that says man the fuck up i hate that and i hate that as well exactly so how do you find because there is it's, it's got to be a middle ground somewhere around that i guess between you're not a victim and man the fuck up yeah i think so it's a really good question as well and i think um the man the fuck up era era is i think i think comes from an older generation i think it's i think that's the way that before mental health the awareness of mental health came about and understanding what um troubles and chaos and actually it's okay to have those things and actually we don't need to keep quiet we're going through what i would say is a period of time where there is we're in this transition phase where men we need to talk more but yet we still have a generation of hey some man the fuck up like do you know what i mean and for me um man the fuck up is basically saying don't stick your head in the sand and ignore everything that's going on in your head and get the fuck on with it you, you, you mentioned quite a few times and i've been following you um yep. is men need to learn to prioritize themselves now we women were always told we need more self-esteem more self-love love yourself than other people are love you sort of now being hammered into our heads a little bit like prioritize yeah. yourself yeah but i found it very unusual when you talk about men need to prioritize themselves and i actually yeah. thought wow absolutely can you tell me a little bit more about that sure yeah um so you have to put some context on here because <laughs> i do get some wives messaging me going Hey, you're telling my fucking husband to prioritizing himself and he's ignoring, like, do you know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> the like needs empty and the rubbish <laughs> needs going out. And he's... He's, he's bought a man cave and a TV and PlayStation. He won't ever come out. So um, <clears throat> there's context to it. So prioritizing yourself doesn't mean mugging everyone else off around you and buying a bachelor pad and going on holiday for a week. What it means is that you have to protect you, your mindset, and what you're trying to achieve um, in small doses, i.e., for example, get up an hour early in the morning, go out for a walk, listen to an audio book, do some meditation and journaling. That's prioritizing yourself. Prepare yourself mentally for the day. Invest in a course that's going to help you, educate you how to manage your time better. Go out and find a job or apply for a job that's going to allow you more balance with your time and less obligations. So what we are doing in terms of prioritizing ourselves is making sure that, hey, number one sorted, so that, and so that is being the key, you become a better husband, so that you become a better dad, so that you become a better business owner, boss, or peer. Because when we don't put ourselves first and we get up and we've got fucking 10 minutes to get to work and we're late or we're boozing or we're doing drugs or you're going out with your mates to 10 o'clock at night and you're ruining your relationship. At some point, you are going to get punched in the face when your wife decides to leave you or your kid doesn't really recognize who you are or doesn't like the angry drunk dad or the kid sees you're a drunk on the sofa or you lose your job because you can't keep your cool or your business disappears. 
if we don't put ourselves first in that line so that we become the leader of our own lives to become the leader of our family's career and health, that's where we snowball. And that's where the confliction comes with men in today's message. It's like, how do I put myself first? I mean, I'm reminded of the old analogy, you know, when you're on, on a plane, you put your own yeah. oxygen yeah. mask on before helping any, anyone else. 100%. 100%. Because your family, if you don't put yours on, it's <clears throat> here's a clear sign. You're going to pass out, which means your family's going to pass out. So, but that, in, in, pra in practical terms, because somebody could be listening to this and think, oh, well, that's all very well and good, but I don't have time. And, and I wanted to ask you, James, how do you find time? Because you're juggling um, four children, is it? Four children. That, that, that I know of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so being a dad, your business and your your fitness and, and your yeah. mental well-being. And I know you're a guy yeah. that works out and, and pushes yeah. himself to the limits. How do you juggle all of that? Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's anything as I don't think there's any such thing as I don't have time. I think it's a, a lack of awareness of what the priority of the time is. So when I look at what I do, so I run, I run my main business, my side hustle. Like you say, I've got the four kids, got something like 300 clients to look after, staff to look after. So what's really, really important is planning, is, is forward thinking. And it's kind of going, right, I use a journal, which I wish I had one to show you, um, to plan all of that out. So if I gave you £2,000 and said, right, I want you to budget for the week, you would budget for electricity, food, petrol, everything, right? So you end up budgeting all of that money. All I'm in theory doing is going, right, there's 168 hours, go and budget your time. So you've got some for fitness, some for family time, some for your career, and some for personal development, which are the four pillars we work around, right? So all you're in theory doing is putting that down into blocks throughout the week. So I train every day, pretty much every day. I'm training for a half Ironman, I do jujitsu, I do golf, I go to the gym with my boy. Sometimes I train it, I'm working out twice a day because I'm doing some with the boy, then I'm doing my own training. But it's all scheduled in and it's all scheduled in and, it, and it's, it's working to timeframes and having a discipline to be able to follow those timeframes. And, and those are your, I mean, that, that's, I, I'm, I know keeping fit and being with the children, they are some of your key values. I mean, I, I resonate with the fitness. I've got to go yeah. to, you know, going to the gym is a, is a non-negotiable for me. And yeah. I, and I block it out in my calendar, you know, there's an hour there. It's, yeah. it's in green, I colour code it and it's, it, and nothing gets in the way, you know, meetings will come after <laughs> it, it's, it, that's the time blocked out, but that's, that's my value. What happens um, if it isn't somebody's value? You know, if people don't understand the reason that they need to be doing something, they just go through that cycle of chaos. So up, eat, sleep, work, repeat, eat, sleep, work, repeat. Then that leads to lack of direction, lack of passion, lack of fire. And everyone wakes up and go, oh, same shit, different day. I remember being at a party once, um, like a kid's party on a Saturday, and I was saying hello to a guy after the party. And I said, oh, how's it going? You're right? He went, yeah, you know, same shit, different day. I was just like, imagine living in, in, that, in that world. No. And, and the problem is education. It's like education that actually 
You have all of this potential. It doesn't matter what man, I don't care if you're fucking 20 stone or you're 13 stone body, bodybuilder, the potential every man has to reach a level of happiness, success, whatever that success is for those that individual, um, the direction that they go, how successful their relationships are with their children and their wife and or their husband or whatever, it's huge. You just got to pull your thumb out of your arsehole and realize that opportunity. And, and, and that's what drives me mad because people stay in that bubble. And, and, it, and it's, that's why I get so passionate about it because I'm like, dude, I don't want to have to keep shaking you to wake you the fuck up, to, to, to wake up, to move you forwards, you know? You, you've written a couple of books now. Um, um, and the first one called It's a State of Mind. Can you explain that, that sort of that title yeah. and, and what the inspiration was for the book? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to write something that had my message in, that had everything I was trying to achieve myself through my resurrection. So when I come out the, when I started entrepreneurship, um, which was about a year after, like I had that suicide um, uh, issue, issue, <laughs> um, scenario, about a year after I was like, that was kind of like when I started putting together all of these systems and models, following other people, learning from other people and putting together um, a resurrection plan, if you like. And I wanted to put that down in a book for a man to be able to pick up and go, here's the basics. Like, here's the basics of how you need to show up if you're in that position and what we've been talking about. Here's some principles. Here's some values. Here's some thought processes that you might not have had. So it was just like an awakening that when you read this, you're like, oh my God, yeah, what are my priorities? Where am I going? And that was the whole point of that book was just to go, if you're at day one of wanting to change your life, if you've just hit that point like I did, where you go, right, that's the pinnacle. This is, this is now, we're up from here. Like that tick, it's like a tick, right? Then this book's going to help you out. This is what's going to take you through those early steps. In terms of your um, elite operators, um, do you draw from the values of being a Royal Marine? Do you draw on your military um, uh, history? Yeah, I think so because it has such, because it's such a high level of training, yeah. and the mindset that I got from that. I'm not trying to create mini Royal Marines. I'm just trying to create secure, confident dads, non-dads, executive entrepreneurs who are confident in their own skin and mind, who who are in control of their emotions, their mental state, and moving with direction. Right, that elite operator mentality is an alter ego. It's almost like an internal confidence. Is an, you know, you, you remember the old like devil angel, like you get in a scenario, like, you know, do I have another drink? Oh yeah, have another drink. No, don't have another drink. So if you like the alter ego in us, that elite operator that we're trying to coach and train men to have is like in that situation where you have to make a decision, do you then decide, right, I'm gonna go home and spend time with the kids and the wife? Or are you going to go home after work and get pissed up with the lads? Um, so it's like making that right decision. And what is that switch? How is it, you know, we've all been in that switch, men or women, yeah. you know, where it's, I mean, that might not might be different scenarios of, you know, do I eat that piece of cake or don't I, yeah. for example? No, or do I, 
do I get out of the house and go for that walk? Do I go to the gym or not go to the gym? 100%. You know, all of these things we're faced with every single day. And I guess there's one path that takes you down a not particularly fulfilling, easy route. Or there's another path that is harder, but yep. much more fulfilling. How do you make that? Because let's face it, it's easy to eat that piece of cake and fulfill that little devil urge going to go on or, or, you know, or the one that can't be bothered to go to the gym today or the one that's going to watch the extra hour of Netflix or whatever it may be. And I'm just yeah. a few things that I think people may re re relate to. Yeah. What is that mindset or how do you um, encourage the mindset that says, no, don't go down this route. Yeah. Try this. I think there's so there's a couple of things there. One of them is to really understand the alternative to showing up. So um, we all know what the results look like when we show up. We all know, like, if I keep doing this and this and this and this, you know, I'm going to have a great marriage. I'm going to have a great relationship with my kids. I'm going to look amazing. I can take my top off running down the street and feel confident. But like, that's just if we make the, the elite operator decision, like in terms of like, this is what's going to happen. But knowing what the alternative is, is really important. But like, because for me, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you are uh, procrastinating about going to the gym, you're procrastinating about applying for a new job. If you are eating cake, then you're like probably neglecting your wife. If you're making the wrong decision in one bad area, you're making the wrong decision in all the fucking areas. And it doesn't matter who you are, knowing what the outcome is going to be at the end of these scenarios is really, really important. Because when it comes to that split second of making that decision, you've got to be able to have that mindset or that awareness to go, this decision is leading me on this path. That's where the disconnect is. That's where the dots haven't connected for a lot of guys because they just keep doing the same thing. And all their knowing experience is the 1% in the wrong direction rather than 1% in the right direction. So you're either on a path to success, whatever that looks like for the individual, or you're going to be heading on 1% to destruction <laughs> is the only word that I can describe. I wanted to touch really quickly as well, James, on identity, because you mentioned that quite a bit in the beginning how your identity had be been taken away yeah and I think this is actually a huge issue and I'm and I'm gonna say we all have our identities women have their identities but I think men in today's society struggle with identity possibly more than women and I don't want any any comments out there. comebacks comebacks coming <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I've, I mean, I've, I've gone through various different identities, you know, from successful corporate career woman to bodybuilder to entrepreneur to host of a show. We all yeah. do have identities at different stages of our lives. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the identity crisis has particularly hit men. What, what are your views on that? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I would actually go as far as saying that I, I don't fully know I, I men don't aren't fully aware about actually the need for an identity in some respects you know i i would say that for me identity is about character um you know everybody has their own interpretation of what you know the identity but i think identity brings character values and principles that that you wake up and live by like you've spoken them about, about them like the non-negotiables about going to the gym you know i know that you're very health conscious and very passionate you know 
these are traits of character of a successful individual who's pursuing who's pursuing her career and her ambitions. But if I was to be sat in a room with a hundred guys, I wonder how many people would know what they're made of in terms of character. I wonder would if they know what principles or values they live by. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest the biggest part of this is the lack of direction because when we're not on a direction, all we're doing is on this hamster wheel. If you meant, imagine sprinting on this little hamster wheel, we call it the hamster wheel of doom. And it's just like sprinting on the same spot, working really hard, but actually not progressing anywhere, just staying the same. But when we have a North Star, and I know how powerful a North Star is, we suddenly go, okay, that's the direction I'm going. And then we go on this journey to reach that North Star. And on that journey, we fail fail, fail, but we learn, 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 and gain experience along the way. But then we start building this identity. And I recognized this in myself. And this was one of the biggest turning points. When I went into entrepreneurship, I didn't know how to run a business. And I, we took 6,000 pound a year. And I was like in the shit. And I spent a whole year on YouTube, reading books, building this boot camp, And in the first year, we, we took £110,000 in business from not having any coaches or mentors. I didn't even know what a P&L sheet was. But through that journey, that North Star, I created an identity of who I was about to become. Like I was hungry for success. Um, I was changing people's lives. I was making an impact. I felt higher self-esteem, more self-belief, more confidence, all of these character traits, if you think we're just like building internally in here, physically and mentally. Um, and that whole 12 months was a journey which created the character and the values mixed in with some of the military stuff. Yeah. And it kind of combined an identity. And that has just naturally evolved as I've got older and the way that I've seen the world and the way that I see the world react and the way that the world works functionally externally and internally and i don't think we've got to we've got to go with the identity evolution because we don't stay the same identity forever right it's very it's very difficult to stay that same person from being 20 to 40 or from 40 to 60 and i talk to men that are 60 listen to them and go i was just like you at 40 but now i'm like this i'm like okay i when i was 20 i used to be naive and not listen but now i really appreciate when someone of 60 years old is telling me what's, you know, what they're going to be, what I'm going to be like at 60. I'm like, I get it. I probably understand it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's self-awareness. It, you know. I think we have to change our identity because oh, yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, if you're not growing, you're dead, right? If you're not growing and learning and, and changing who you are. And uh, as you say, as the generations go on, Um, we learn and we become different people and that's I think we should yeah absolutely embrace that it's a sinking Um, sound it's it's like a sinking sound right when you don't move you just sink and um it's 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 a the old cliche of finding people around you to 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 get you moving as well you know I was on a mastermind last week 10 business owners my coach and one of one of my best friends you know, for the last three years, he's evolved and I've evolved and we, we've grown together, but he's always like pushing me. I'm always pushing him. And when you're around those people, you just elevate yourself. Do you know what I mean? Completely. I always say, uh, you know, I've been a coach myself. 
you you can have all the knowledge but you still need a coach uh, the right coach of course, yeah, I mean, I'm, of course. I'm trained in personal I'm, I'm personal trainer qualification but i still have my own personal trainer yeah i'm a nutritionist i still get advice i've got my own coach even though i'm a qualified coach because you can yep. still learn from somebody else 100 percent and often you yeah you find other other people can see something inside you that you can't see inside yeah 100 percent. It's, it's i always look at it like in a military sense i used to like when i was a sniper we used to be in the high ground watching the lads go in it's always like you've always got someone watching over you and always seeing something that you can't see so it's like an overwatch approach and that's how i see being a coach is like i can see the things that you just can't see right now you know i'm up here either because I've gone through that experience or I'm seeing it from a non-emotional stance. So like when I'm involved in my business, I'm really passionate. I really believe in what I'm saying. And the coach would just come in and go, bit of rationale here, bit of level-headedness. This is what I can see. And, and I think that's the sign of a good coach. Definitely, definitely. James, I feel like we could talk forever, but my last no. couple of questions is, Go for it. What, what is the impact that you want to leave um behind so um i think this stems from me losing my dad and i think what would make me super happy there's two things number one is making sure that all of the kids that are out there aren't left without a dad whether it's a dad leaving because they've lost the plot or a marriage splitting up or they've allowed their health to get so bad they've had a heart attack which is what my dad did um so that every dad has the best opportunity to see their kids get married. And the other impact is when I get messages from wives saying, just thank you for my husband back. Like they are the best. I've got like a little folder in my inbox. There's hundreds of them in there. And I'm just like, you're more than welcome. Just tell him to stop being a knobhead. (laughs) (laughs) But that, you know, they are two very impactful things that mean a lot to me. You know, my little mission statement is to change the world one man at a time. And, you know, if I can leave the world or the state of men in a better place when I go, like, then I've done my job professionally. And if men want to join your programs or find out a bit more about you or read your books, I mean, we're going to put all of this in the show notes, but quick things, where where can people find out about you? Is there an easy way to contact you? Um, Yeah, so I think, um, so my email is me at boardmanjames.com. I read all my own emails. Um, I get quite a lot of them. Um, in terms of our program, we run a, like a 90 day elite movement and that is like over 90 days working with us to build purposeful direction through all of the modules and all the training. I won't go into too much of it. You can always find it easily. Um, if you email me, um, Facebook, Instagram, we do a rise to thrive show. So we do a show like you on Monday, Wednesday and Friday at five 30 in the morning, um, challenges people to get up in their morning routine and listen. Um, Instagram, we do all the backroom stuff, LinkedIn, James Borman. So if you've got all the links there, you'll be able to find there. Yeah, we'll, put, find we'll, put, we'll put them all in the show notes. Yeah. So my final question, okay. if you could go back to your younger self, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you yeah. tell him to do more of? God, that's a good question. Um... It's a really good question. <laughs> I just feel stumped on it. If I could just have a minute. So if I could go back to my younger self, knowing what I know now, um, 
I think one of the main things is, um, this is going to sound a little bit cliche, but everything I've gone through, I would never change. Like I would never change. I'm where I'm meant to be. I wouldn't be the man I am today without having gone through everything that I've gone through. And I've gone through an awful lot, ups and downs, highs and lows. Um, but what I think I would do is um, I'd probably turn around and say, um, fail more um, because there are so many opportunities that I wanted to take and never really took. And I regret a heavy emotion. And I'm just like, I was always too afraid to fail as a kid, mm. like as in my twenties, in my thirties. Um, and I think if I failed more, I might have achieved more. Um, and I, I'm a happy, I, my life wouldn't have changed, but it was just always one of those things. I, I, I didn't have a male mentor in my life to say, just go for it. I've got your back. Do you know what I mean? My mum was brilliant, but mums have their own role within the relationship. But you just need that male figure to go, son, just go for it. See what happens. I've got your back. And I think that's probably what I would tell myself. That's great. James, loved having you on my show. Hopefully right. we'll meet in person one day. 100%. Guys, follow James. Great guy. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for being a guest on my thank show. You. You're welcome. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday, so hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.